Would you pray with me? That is our prayer. That from a glorious day, a day when we move from death to life, that from that day you be magnified. Father, would you begin to stir in our hearts what that looks like? How, how do we magnify you? How do we tell people about who you are? How do we tell people about how you've changed our life? How do, you, how do we share that, that you've taught us how to love and forgive? Have you taught us the truth? How you've grounded us? Have you given us hope? How do we share that with other people? I pray you make that known to each of us individually today. So would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. How are we doing? We having fun? That, there seemed to be some energy around that set to me. I don't know. I felt it. Did you feel it? I felt the Lord's up to something. All right. So we are concluding our series. What can we do? And really the better question which Katie posed in week one is what does God want to do? Uh, we're excellent at telling God what we want. We're not always so excellent at asking what, it is, what is it that you want? What do you want to do? So we're asking the question, we have been for the last two weeks and today's moved into our fall series. God, what do you want to do? What do you want me to partner with you in building? I can't believe he lets us do that. That God would say, I actually actively want you to be a part of what I'm up to and that you have a role in it. So I hope today to help all of us find ourselves in his story. And he uses the little moments and the big moments. There are highs, there are lows. It's quite a journey. But I had this thought this morning, I think about glorious day. Christ be magnified. At the end, we're gonna ask, last two songs are gonna ask something of you, okay? We'll get there later. But I can't help but think from the beginning, I feel like the highs and lows are like this. But then as we move through life with him, as we were discipled by him, as we get to know who he is, it almost feels like perhaps we're not so high and perhaps we're not so low because we're actually walking with him. And we can navigate challenges, the highs and the lows with him in a much better way. So I'm going to use a person in Scripture. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to remind us where we started the series and where this kind of came from, this idea um, uh, from the uh, first, Th the first Thessalonians. Uh, Paul has this really uh, interesting way of talking about Jesus coming back. So Katie unpacked this beautifully in week one. Essentially what's happening, there's this church. And this church, he, Paul says great things about this church. He loves this church in Thessalonica. They're doing wonderful things. But if you read the letter, it looks like there's some, there's something he's concerned with. And that's that they're so excited for Jesus to come back that they're becoming very passive in the middle. They're not actively engaging with whatever it is that he wants to do. They're actually kind of pulling back and almost, if you've been around this church for a long time, you've seen my dad do this before, hide behind the stage. I'm this, they're kind of, they're pulling back. He says, no, 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 no. You don't know when. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. Don't worry about it. I said, but this is how you live until then. 
So he used this really unique idea. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4. It's called a parousia. And Kate talked about this. I want you to think about this analogy that Paul is using in light of what we believe, if you believe. There's Father, Son, and Spirit. So there's destruction, there's disaster. A bad thing has happened in their city, a horrible thing. There's probably been an earthquake. There were two that we know of. A horrible thing has happened. There is destruction, chaos, disorder. And the king comes. The king surveys. And then the king leaves a deposit to repair, rebuild, and to make it even better. Are you, are you with me here? King Jesus he was so excited about his deposit, the Holy Spirit. He was almost like, I got to get out of here so that you can have him. He leaves this deposit. And then in the analogy, the people know someday, someday, the king's going to return. And when he does, 1 Thessalonians 4, there's a trumpet sound because everyone has to know the king's arriving. And his analogy, what do the people do? They run out to greet the king. Why? Because they're so excited to show him what they have done with his deposit. Which has me thinking, if Jesus came back right now, me, would I run out to tell him all the things that I'm doing? Would I run out to tell him how I'm, tell him how I'm using my time, how I'm using my resources? Would I be so excited to tell the one who gave it all what I've done? I've just been sitting with that. Would I eagerly greet him? So I'll pose the question to you. As you look at this list that we have, I lost it. What are we doing with our time? What do we do with our resources? You know, I had the thought, when I think about building something, I think about building a thing, a business, a company, a product. Those are all good things. But we're talking about building something very different. We do those things with excellence, the best we can. But that is not the most important thing that we build. We'll conclude there, all right? So I thought to myself, how do, how do I see myself in the story, how do I understand what I am to build? And I, as I was getting ready, I had these words in my mind. I don't know why they were in my mind. Uh, give me slide number eight. I had the words building, uh, fire, and water in my brain. And I was like, those are weird words. What do I do with those? But I heard someone teach on someone in scripture. I thought, ah, building, which led to fire, which led to water, which led to a new building. And his name was Peter. Can you give me slide seven? I, I, I would love to humanize Peter a little bit here. Because as we read this, we, they're disciples, they're apostles. Like, I don't know, like, what do I do with this? This is from the chosen. I'm not sure if you watch or how you feel about it, but he, Peter might have looked something like this. He was a person, right? So I hope if you look at Peter's story, Peter is a builder. But Peter, I mean, he's very human. I, I connect with him. Maybe you will, maybe you will, I'm not sure. But I hope you can find yourself in his story as you consider what it is that you're supposed to be building over the next four months. Just four months. September, October, November, December. It's not long, okay? What is that? 120 days? 160. No, yeah, yeah. 
Can't do math anymore. So let's look at Peter's story. I hope you hear your story, all right? Can you give me slide number uh, nine? Let's start with that. So Peter gets called in Matthew 4. And he gets called in most of the Gospels, but it's in his normal job. He's at work. It's not at church. It's not a special thing. Peter's just, he's a fisherman. He's in his boat. And that's where the Lord meets him. And if you, know, you don't know the story, Luke's gospel, he tells the story that uh, Peter can't catch any fish. So Jesus says, try the other side of the boat. He gets tons of fish. And he's like, whoa. And he's like, go away from me. I'm sinful. I'm broken. And she's like, I know. You're the one I want. Let's go catch people. Let me show you how. So Peter is called. Called to what? To build. So I'm pulling parts out of the story. So Matthew 16. If you want to turn your pages, it's on page 972, if you want. And Peter and his buddies are in a really unique place, right? They're in Caesarea Philippi. Can you give me slide 11? And I, what, as I've been studying, and we talked about this before, Caesarea Philippi is the home of several things. It is, one, it is, it's madness. So in this picture, on the far left behind that temple is what they called the gates of hell. And the people of the day thought that was where evil things and their gods came up and down from hell to earth. It's in that place. Now it's also the birthplace of a god called Pan, which we'll talk about in a minute. In these other temples, Pan is half goat, half person. So in the other temples, there's all kinds of other things being done by people with animals at this place. This is where Peter makes this next statement, okay? There's actually a, uh, a festival in Caesarea Philippi called Pandemonium, Okay? Pandemonium, what, what, chaos, disorder, confusion. I want you to think about the word pan, okay? Pan is the god of chaos, disorder, and confusion. His festival is called Pandemonium, and people are doing all kinds of insane, crazy things to appease him. That's where they are. Can you imagine this? You're a good disciple, and you, Jesus brings you here? What is going on? And at this place, Jesus says, Peter, who do people say I am? And I love Peter because he, he just, he goes for it. You're, you're the Christ. Like, you're it. And she's like, yeah, yes, Peter, well done. And he makes a statement. He says, Peter, he changes his name from Simon to Peter, rock. He says, on this rock, I'll build my church. There's different thoughts about what that means. I wonder if all three are partially true. So Jesus is the rock, Right? On him, he'll build his church. Peter, you have a part in building on me. Like, you get to be a builder. I have called you to build, and I want you to build in places like this with people who are totally confused. It is pandemonium. And you're supposed to go and actively build, bring my church good news, repent, the kingdom of God is here, to places like that. I wonder if all three are kind of true. From that moment... Peter, right? Jesus says, I have to die. Peter's like, no, never. And Jesus rebukes him. So a high moment for Peter to a low moment for Peter. Next, he goes to a place called the Mount of Transfigurations where Jesus reveals who he is, a high moment for Peter. Peter is so human. Yes, and he, he's going for it, but he misses it and he gets it right and just, he's all over the place, right? 
Peter jumps out of a boat because he thinks he wants to walk on water. If you know this story or not, Jesus is walking across the water and Peter's like, I want to walk on water. Jesus come out of the boat. So Peter jumps out of the boat. He's walking for a minute, but then what does he do? He sinks. High moment, low moment. Has anyone else had high moments with Jesus? Has anyone else had low moments in life? And you wonder, Jesus, where are you? Am I the only one? Show of hands, come on. All right, we're in this together. So he's up and he's down. He's trying to figure this thing out. But there's a significant moment for Peter. Peter is, he, Jesus is his rabbi. And in Mark's gospel, give me slide number 10 now. Move forward a little bit here. If I can find the right page. Mark's gospel, I think it's Mark's gospel. This last service too, wrong page in my Bible. Jesus tells Peter he's going to deny him. He'll deny being his disciple three times. Peter says, no way, no way. I would die with you, Jesus. I'm, I'm with you till the end, Jesus. And if you're new to church, what happens is Peter denies Jesus, that he's his rabbi three times. And what I think I can't quite grasp is we live in different time, a different day and age, but to, to deny your rabbi was like the worst thing you could do. To publicly renounce, publicly deny. There was not, I'm sure there were other bad things, but this is about as bad as it gets. So you put, Peter's put in a, in a pressure situation where everything is, is pandemonium. It's crazy. And he denies. He's human. But he's so sad and he's so broken about what he's done. I read this. Someone said they believe, and I, I, think I'm, I think I might believe them, that from that moment, for a little while, Peter did not think he was a disciple any longer. That he had canceled himself. He was out. Because in Mark's gospel at the end, which is where I was trying to go, when the angel comes to the tomb and approaches Mary, he says, you have to go tell the disciples, Mark 16, verse 7, and Peter. What Peter has done, he thinks is so bad. There's no way Jesus would still love him. Peter, and he's dead. He's, the whole thing is just destroyed. Then in John's gospel, it's interesting, it's all four gospels talk about Peter's denial. But only one talk about, talks about what happened next. And it's his best friend, John. So Peter has returned home. He's gone back to the beginning. He's back to what he used to do. He's fishing. It's what he knows. And some of his friends are with him, which I think is pretty great. He's like, I want to go fishing. His friends say, we'll come with you. Fishing all night. And this is, I love Jesus. At his lowest moment, he comes to Peter and he comes, brings him right back to the very, very first moment, the glorious day that we sung about. The first moment. When he called him while he was fishing. And from the shore again, he says, Peter, or not Peter, he has caught any fish. No, try the other side of the boat. And he, the nets are bursting. He casts to the right side of the boat, which I read this morning actually, that perhaps, perhaps, most people in that day were right handed. So to cast to the right side 
meant you had to use your weak hand to get the fish out. Usually you'd go the other way because you could pull it better. So you asked him, go to your weakness, and there in your weakness, the fish come and it clicks for the disciples. It's Jesus. He's back. Peter, who earlier wanted to walk on water, remember that? He doesn't care anymore. He just jumps in the water and he starts swimming for sure because he knows in that moment he needs Jesus. So three times, Jesus says, remember, remember the beginning, Peter. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my fish. Or feed my sheep. Let's go fish. Again, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times. He, I wonder, my opinion, if this is when Peter gets. All these times he kept saying, like, he didn't want Jesus to die. You don't have to die. You don't have to die. I wonder if this is the moment where he said, oh, now I get it. I'm a broken, broken person, and I need somebody who can save me. Right? So from there, Peter, who was just, had just denied Jesus, who was not a disciple in the book of Acts, fire, they're waiting for the Spirit to come. And this fire, this uncontrollably controlled fire lands on them. And who's the one who stands up before people to share the message? Peter. And because he shared the message, if you follow in Acts, what happens? People get baptized. Man, what a good story. Do you find yourself in the story? I do. Sometimes I'm a little impulsive like Peter. I go for it. And I miss it. And I get it. Holy cow. So, we have this really weird punch list for you. I want you to look at it. If you don't have one, you can get one after. We're going to pass the plates again in just a couple minutes, all right? What do you think? How is our risen king asking you to build, to participate with him in what he is doing? So remember, we're going to, I'm going to keep these. And we'll bring them out so we can remember what we said today. Because life, life gets wild. And we'll come back to it. Remember, this is who we want to be. If we're going to become people, who build? Because later on in life, so Peter, he's gone through all these things, right? Peter's older. And he's in, right into a church that he's leading. It's in 1 Peter 2, verses 4. What are we builders of? Peter says this, as you come to him, that's Jesus, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you are also like living stones and you're being built 
into a spiritual house, a temple, to be a royal, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. That's the punch list. That's a spiritual sacrifice to him. Acceptable God to God through Jesus Christ. Because in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. That's Jesus, a chosen and precious cornerstone. He's the beginning. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And you get built onto this structure with Jesus. So as we go out and we build things in life, the, thing we, the most important thing we build are people. Disciples of Jesus. Uh, me, you. So I'm being built. You're being built. We are living stones. That is a wild structure. Think about it. And that's the invitation to build people, to use our time to invest in someone else, use our time the right way, to get rid of some screen time, to spend some time with God. Take your spouse for a drive. That's a good one. Invest in your kids. That's a good one. Your coach and invest in your players. Yeah, you want to win games. The thing that was taught to me in this town by my coaches was we might win, we might lose, but I'm going to develop you as a young man. That is the most important thing. I hope we win. But you're the most important thing. Developing you, your character, your person. We're making people who live like Jesus. All unique, because we all made us all different. But we get to become like him. We get to somehow, it's just wild. We will start to kind of just naturally do things like him if we're living with him. That's where I think we start, Peter's like this. I wonder if then in life you begin to, oh, and you can navigate those things with him, the highs and the lows. Have you picked out the thing you're supposed to build? Because we're going to do the plates one more time. You drop it in the plate, put your name on the front. I might want to write you an email. We want to... What would this year be like? Four months, people. Four months. It's not long. Paul said, he talked about our faith, our change, as far as Jesus, as a metamorphosis. Caterpillar, right? To a butterfly? That is crazy. I wonder if in four months, if you did, if you, whatever you're being led to do, if you did it, if you asked somebody if you were different at Christmas time, I know they would say yes. I guarantee it. If, you, if we actually did this, we would be a different people. Our schools would be different. Our businesses would be different. Our city would be different. Our region would be different. Our country might be a little bit different. Four months, people. Can we say yes? So, glorious day. Because of what he has done, we ran out of that grave. So Jesus, be magnified. But in life, as you watch with Peter, there's a constant need for re-surrender. Right? It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a student, you know what I'm talking about. There's stuff all the time. We have to re-surrender. God, what do you want in this situation? What do you want me to do? We re-surrender over and over again. And then at the end, our last song, just so you know, it's that song we've been singing every week. It's that Take Courage song. There's a yes in our hearts. I'm not sure if you're not a singer, but if you're not a singer, I invite the band up, wherever they are. If you're not, if you're not when that song comes in, when that, when that bass starts hitting, there's a yes in your heart. Am I the only one who does this the whole time? I, I can't even sing. 
inviting us. I feel it in my heart. Like the Spirit saying, come on, come on. I listened to a great, great teacher recently, and he said, we're in a really weird moment in time. It, it's, it's happened before. It's chaos. It's crazy. Things are falling apart. But typically, historically, in those moments, people uh, choose to create. They choose to do new things. They choose to stand up and to rise up. And he said, the problem is right now, because the world we live in is all about me, we are so passive. Nothing new is happening. So he used the Exodus story. And he said, the people are standing at, 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 they're at the Red Sea. Chaos before them. Uncreation. That's the thought of water. It was nuts. Don't go in the water. Behind them is an empire, Pharaoh, chasing them down to enslave them. Chaos, an empire. And Moses said, everyone be still. I need to pray. And he prays. And guess what God says? Get going. Let's make something. Let's go. And so there's a midrash. And it talks about, that's fan fiction for rabbis, if you don't know what that is. And a person, they say, it's a story, begins to walk into the water. Just one. And as he walks in the water, he hits his knees and then his waist and then his shoulders. Nothing's happening. He gets it further in the water. It comes up above his nose. As the water hits above his nose, the water, whoo, and the people go. You ready to go? Are we ready to go? I'm serious. In 1 Thessalonians 5, the end, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Whatever he's laid on your heart, say yes. Let's pray. So God, I ask, whatever you're saying, we want to do what you want to do. If someone's confused or unsure, lead them to Scripture. Bring them to the Word. They can find it. And they'll know what, there's, what they're being asked to do, how you're asking us to build with you. So we just pray for, for a surrendered spirit here today to you because you're the king and we love that you are God. We need you to be God. It is so good that we're not. And then as we conclude, I pray that as you say that, we set three weeks in a row now. If there's a yes in our hearts, help us to step into whatever it is you're asking. It's gonna it's going to play out into generations. So just surrender, yes, amen.